This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time for the Mirror Football Podcast with Sam Matterface. Hey everybody, it's the Mirror Football Podcast with me, Sam Matterface, and Big Tom, the producer. How are you getting on? You right? Yeah, good, you. On the pod this week, the Mancunian Revolution takes an iron grip, crushing the resistance in its path. Redknapp, Brown and Cordwell. Sounds like a high street solicitors, but in fact, it's just the three managers uh, that have been pushed off the merry-go-round this week. Potch says he's got a plan B, unless it's in the League Cup, because he doesn't really care about the League Cup. How many points did you get for Sergio Aguero and your dream team this week? It's all on this week's Mirror Football Podcast. The Mirror Football Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes via the podcast app and get a fresh Mirror Football Podcast as soon as it lands. Andy Dunn, the chief sports writer of the Mirror. Big Tom, the producer in the pod with me this week. Kicking off with the Manchester uh, duo trying to duel for the Premier League crown. Watch your boys. You all right? Both okay? Yeah, you. All good, thanks, mate. Good, good. Um, did, did you get the feeling that everyone was cream crackered this weekend? Because I certainly did. I, I didn't think it was a particularly good week of football, like entertaining-wise. Did you think that's all? No, a lot of decisions were missed as well. I think the refs were cream crackered as well as the players, <laughs> weren't they? And, and you, coming back from Greece, you were I doing a tour of Europe place. as well, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Um, Chelsea-Arsenal was a bit of a letdown. Uh, Tottenham have become a little bit slow without Danny Rose and Carl Walker. They're not as athletic as they were. Mm. I went to that game at Wembley this week. The first half was incredibly dull. Um, Andy, the two games that you went to, the, the Manchester United game and the Manchester City game, yeah. anything but though, right? Anything, but it must it must be a London thing. It must be further down <laughs> south. No, it must be because if you notice, five five London Premier League clubs um, scored no goals between them. No goals. The entire five London Premier League clubs, ten for Manchester, and I saw every single one of them, and they looked anything but tired. Sam, I have to say, I mean, two in a way contrasting games, but two very emphatic performances that you know has, has already got people thinking. Is it going to be a two-horse race between these two clubs? I don't think so. I think it's far, far, far too early to say that. But both of them extremely impressive, scoring lots of goals, letting very few. Well, Manchester United won 4-0, but it was never a 4-0 game, was it? City won 6-0. It certainly was a 6-0 game. The attacking power they had was absolutely breathtaking. I said it right from the start. I think this is probably where the champions are going to come from, Manchester United or Manchester City. Um, do, Do you think the same thing? I, I, I didn't think it was a 6-0 game. I thought it was a 16-0 game. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it was that good. It made me laugh. I mean, it made me laugh when we went into the press conference after and Marco Silva comes in and, you know, basically sort of says, well, the first goal was offside. <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah, it was it was marginal. The third one possibly was, but they could have scored at will. It really didn't matter. It, you, you know, if ever you get... I mean, referees, are, uh, sorry, managers are so predictable and they'll come in they'll, and they'll blame or point the blame to the referee. But really, 
it wasn't even a contest. It was an exhibition. It was an unbelievable exhibition of attack and play by Manchester City. And then when they went 4-0 up, they brought on Leroy Sané, Bernardo Silva, Ilkay Gundogan. I mean, those three players will get into any team yeah. in the Premier League, any team in Europe, probably. You look at that bench. And Guardiola has the luxury to bring them on. Now, bear in mind that United have not played anyone from the big six yet. You know, they've had a, a relatively gentle... Um, start relatively gentle, which will continue. Um, again, with all respect, it's not you know it's a tough game, but it's not the toughest it could be this weekend away at Southampton. They've then got Crystal Palace at home, mm. you know, and City themselves. I mean, okay, they played Liverpool, but that was made a lot easier by Sadio Mane being sent off, um, and they probably played Everton as we know Everton on in great form. So both of those teams haven't had the most rigorous of starts. You look at someone like Everton, who played I think four of the top six, yeah. so. You know, Jose Mourinho has has been a bit fortunate in that they've played, they, they've had some kind fixtures, and I think their first real, real, real major test will be Liverpool in about three or four weeks' time at Anfield. And when they do, they might be without Paul Pogba. Do you think that Fellaini will fill that Pogba-shaped hole in the in the time being? Is he is he too harshly criticised? Do you think he's been fairly solid in his performances so far, hasn't he? He's been okay coming come off the bench, Tom. And, and he started, obviously, on Sunday in the absence of Pogba. He did okay. He doesn't bring what Pogba brings, that dynamism. Um, he doesn't create very much. You know, Fellaini's, I mean, for me, um, and this goes all the way back to his time at Everton, his best position is off the striker, I think. And basically, if you're getting sort of long diagonal balls up to him, then playing off him. And he did okay on, on, on Sunday. I think they will miss Pogba. They, you know, Everton... I mean, they were okay, Everton, on Sunday, but they still didn't provide the sort of test that will be provided by the likes of Liverpool, Manchester City, and Chelsea and Arsenal and Spurs. Pogba will be missed in those games. If he misses any of those games, he'll certainly miss the Liverpool one, as I say, in um, late October. Um, probably a couple of more crucial ones. They will miss Pogba. I don't think Fellaini is the answer in there, and I would be surprised if he doesn't bring, I think, reading behind the down the lines. He's had some minor fallout with Ander Herrera. So mm. I think he brought him on on Sunday. That might that might have been mended. And I think probably in the bigger games you would find Herrera coming in with Matish um, in the absence of Pogba and Fellaini coming, in, coming on as what Jose loves to use him as, which is an impact sub. And that's amazing, isn't it, really? Because Ander Herrera, I know the contract's coming to yeah. an end as well. There's probably... Mm something about that that needs to be resolved because he's a very useful player for Manchester United. Maran Fellaini, he loves Maran Fellaini. Yeah. He's like the physical embodiment of the Jose Mourinho attitude, isn't he? And he wants, to, he, he wants him in his team as a result of that. I mean, they are, I mean, you look at them, they are the embodiment of their managers, aren't they? You've got Pep's Manchester City who look good, they entertain, they've got a quiet, ruthless streak. Mm. They, they all dress very nicely as well. Uh, then you've yeah, got Mourinho's dress code. <laughs> I love his dress code. I love his bumpers. Um, then you've got Mourinho's United, who are stubborn, pragmatic, decisive winners, sometimes a little bit scruffy, uh, but they get the job done every single week, don't they? And, and that is something that uh, Manchester United... That's why, my, even though the aesthetic in me wants to see Manchester City go on and win the league, if it's going to be between those two, mm. actually... The, the the pragmatist in me believes it's probably going to be Manchester United. You know, you, Manchester United are scoring goals as well. And what's interesting is that I get the impression, two games I've been to where they've scored um, three late goals in, in the last 10 minutes. Now, now, Jose Mourinho is confident enough in, in himself on how much the supporters believe in Jose Mourinho. 
He is confident enough to praise Marilyn Fellaini at every opportunity he gets, knowing the supporters now will will, will, not, will not will not there won't be a murmur of unrest. Whereas in the past they would have said, "What are you on about?" Fellaini is everything that a Manchester United player should not be. Jose Mourinho was almost testing the supporters, saying, "Listen, he's my main man. I trust him. I feel weaker without Marilyn Fellaini." And the supporters buy into it because right now the supporters have bought in lock, stock and barrels of Jose Mourinho. I love watching Rashford. I love watching Mkhitaryan and Lukaku when they're going forward. I think they're a fantastic group of players. Um, I think they're only going to improve as the season goes on in front of goal as well, making yep. those split-second decisions, those last-minute, shall I pass it, shall I shoot, shall I pick this person out or the other. I think they'll get better as the season goes on. The one thing about City, though, for me, is that they... That they've got such a strength in depth from an attacking point. It's 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 so dangerous. Gundogan coming back now. You mentioned Leroy Sane coming off the bench. Bernardo Silva yep. off the bench. Aguero scoring goals. Jesus scoring goals. Um, this weekend they both play at three o'clock on a Saturday. Wow! Stop the press. This is amazing. I can't believe they this is happening. Three They're both playing at wow. three o'clock. I know it's really happening. <laughs> um, but um, whereas um, Roy and Crystal Palace are the opposition uh, for Manchester City at the Etihad. It's off to Southampton uh, for Manchester United. Any any chance of a slip-up? I can't see it, really. <laughs> I mean, unless they wear the grey shirts, Andy, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, hey, listen, you never know what shirts anyone's going to wear nowadays, do you? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm totally going off on a tangent. You know, I mean, City played in Maroon against um, Watford because, obviously, Sky Blue clashes heavily with yellow, doesn't it? Yeah, we all know that. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, the kid might have a fact there. I think Southampton are OK. You know, I, I mean, I actually, I actually thought that Claude Puel was was unlucky to lose his job. They had problems scoring goals, but I think they're an incredibly tidy, organised side. Yeah, but they were pretty boring side, weren't they, Andy? I mean, I didn't enjoy. It. I know, I know, everyone thinks I'm out of order about Claude Puel because he got into a cup final. But mm. seriously, I mean, did they really achieve what they were supposed to do last season? I think they gave up on the Europa League. They played boring football. You go to one of his press conferences and you just, you know, mm. you're desperate for a way out. You're, you're doing the fake phone call thing. <laughs> Anyone get me out of listening to this guy. And his football was pretty much the same. And the players obviously felt the same way as well. The big test uh, for Manchester City is the September the 30th game. They play Chelsea. I'm going to that one. Can't wait for it. It's mm. going to be cracking. Manchester United's test coming further down the line. There's no doubt in my mind that these two are going to be the ones that fight for the, for the title. On the go, on your phone, on the website. The Mirror Football Podcast. It's Big Tom's Big News. It's the section of the pod where we give you something a little bit quirkier, something a little bit left field that you might not get your likes and your retweets for, but it's equally as important. What you got for us this week? Uh, well, this week's big news uh, starts the quiz question for Matface. Uh, oh, yeah, go for yeah. it. So can you name the eight, historically, the eight sponsors there have been of the League or EFL Cup? Milk. Yeah. Littlewoods. Yeah. Rumbelows. Yeah. Worthington, yeah, Carling, yeah. How many am I up to? Uh, you got five. Oh. You got three more. Obviously Carabao. Yeah, obviously Carabao. EFL doesn't count, right? No, it doesn't count. Um, Carling Cup. Um, two oh, more. No, I can't think of it. Um, um, Capital One. Capital One. One remaining. No. <laughs> one left in the bag. Ah, oh, 
I can't. I'll come back to it. Go for it. Right. I'll I'll, I'll leave that out until till the end. I'll give you the the whole news section to to think about it. Okay. Um. Okay. So the League Cup was conceived at a time when attendances were dropping. There are a few reasons offered at the time for why the competition was established. Oh, it was the midweek cup initially, wasn't it? That, like that that's right. And partly the, the the newfound floodlights to hold midweek games. Oh yes. Um. More grounds in the country were getting floodlights. Secondly, it was a consolation prize uh, suggested for those that were knocked out of the. FA Cup and thirdly to make up for any lost money due to the reorganisation of the leagues at the time oh because it went from division uh, 3 south and north and that kind yeah of and thing, 4 yeah. up and 4, four down up, that sort yeah. of thing um, but interestingly and this is a bit of research this is a quote from a correspondent in 1960 the first year of the tournament this is the quote where a drastic reduction is required in an attempt to raise quality no doubt quantity and a further spread of mediocrity will be the dose where men like Count Bernabeu, with his wider horizons, think in terms of a European league for the future, in which a lead would surely now be given jointly by our leaders, the Football League proposed next season to implement their useless Football League Cup to be played midweek. It gets the players, the clubs and the public nowhere. Now that's from 1960. It could, could have been written this morning. Could that have been written this morning? That could have been this morning's copy, couldn't it? Um, in- I don't think it's useless, but I do understand that, you know, the idea, even back in 1960, that we thought we probably need less football to improve the quality of it. Yeah. And and yet we're sort of sitting here 57 years later and we're still playing as many games as and we were. And Kurt Banner-Bow at the time probably had three or four European Cups. No, probably had a bit more than that. Probably had five or six European Cups and now look, they're on, what, 11, No, probably didn't have that. Did he have that many? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he had five yeah, that was, already. That's the next trivia question. Um, but no, it's worth noting that in terms of Europe that France are the only other FA in Europe that offer a European place for their second domestic cup. Okay, small so, pleasure. So maybe before we dismiss the League Cup, we should probably recognise the European benefits we currently enjoy, much like another system that we might be throwing ourselves out of. <laughs> so the, this week's big news is appreciating the historical resonance of the League Cup and maybe not throwing it out altogether, tinkering with it a bit. I can't think of the other sponsor. Give Come me on. a clue. Um, one left. Fizzy Coca-Cola Cup. Coca-Cola Cup. How did I Cup. miss that? That's the that's the most easy one. Steve McManaman. Steve yeah. McManaman. Cheers. Good. More Big Tom's Big News next week. Follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, and Instagram. This is the Mirror Football Podcast. The League Cup starts in earnest uh, this week with the European teams actually being involved in it, which is, means it's got a little bit more kudos about it. Uh, Tom, we, and we know we've got your point that you're not a real lover of the uh, the League Cup. No, but right? we've got to recognise the other parts of the competition as well. Yeah, I, I think uh, there are teams that should take this a little bit more seriously and mm-hmm. don't, and that gets to me. James Nursey is with us for this section of the pod. Hi, James, you're right. Hi, guys. Morning. Uh, Maurizio Pochettino is not going to be very popular with his sponsors after his outburst yesterday. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Wigan won the cup in my second season, he said in 2013. Where are Wigan now? He then was a little bit unsure. He was scratching his head. He was like, where are Wigan now? Are they uh, League One? Are they the Championship? Someone had to tell him they were in League One. Bit out of order on Wigan. Well, you know, I don't think he really sort of looks too much at Wigan, I wouldn't have thought. Um, He said, I prefer to concentrate on the Premier League and the Champions League. Uh, Is this sort of symptomatic of most Premier League managers, James, do you reckon? Uh, I wouldn't say it reflects most managers, Sam. I, I certainly hope not. It sounds like it's been pretty derogatory about both our domestic cup competitions there. And you'd like to think that doesn't reflect the, the, the mood and thoughts around all Premier League 
managers. I mean, I'm based in the Midlands, as you know, and they still rave around here about Birmingham City's League Cup win in, in 2011, which uh, was, a, was a great accolade for the club. And I think for some clubs, particularly maybe those mid-table Premier League clubs that, that aren't going to go down and uh, aren't necessarily going to qualify for, for Europe through the league, that, that, that the EFL Cup represents a really good opportunity for them. I know Tony Pulis at West Brom is taking it seriously this season and fielding strong teams. And uh, it's a competition the Baggies are looking are looking to win and go far in. So I don't think it reflects all Premier League managers, but that certainly is a real uh, dagger blow to the competition on, on the day of um, matches, as you suggested. I don't earlier. think he's going to be getting any uh, free Carabao <laughs> no, drink. No, Thailand's second favourite energy drink <laughs> yeah. isn't going to be winging its way to Poch in the um, time soon. Um, it's teams like West Brom, like you mentioned, Stoke City, Leicester, Bournemouth, Southampton, Newcastle, that put bad teams out. That really winds me up, or weakened teams no in this need competition. No need for it. There's no need for it because the, there's a trophy here. Those guys do not win trophies. If you're Newcastle United, you haven't won a trophy in about 150 years. The, the game is about glory, isn't it? You, you've, got to, you've got to think this is an opportunity for some mm. of those, those teams who don't get the chance to go to Wembley very often. History suggests that you know, if you are Swansea, if you are Bradford, if you are Birmingham and Aston Villa, you can get to this cup final. Mm, absolutely. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, the Birmingham win in 2011 has still lived long in the memory of fans, even though they're languishing in the championship. It was a real highlight for them and uh, I witnessed firsthand what a boost that was to, to the club and, and the area. And uh, a cup run like that does uh, engender enormous excitement and you can create history. And uh, I'm, I, I'm surprised and disappointed more managers don't take it um, seriously, particularly as I alluded to earlier, those who are in the, the comfort of, of a mid-table in the Premier League. Now, obviously, the season's only just started, so that you couldn't really um, look too seriously at the league table right now. But there are managers who must be confident that their teams are going to stay up, and you'd like to see them have a, have a good crack for glory, because that's what it's all about, like you said. I'm just thinking, though, if I'm a, if I'm a lower league team, if I'm in League One or League Two, maybe actually... If I'm a manager or a fan, I'm saying, okay, field a weak team and let us have a real crack, a real chance at progressing in this competition. Like, Maybe like Northampton, for example, hmm? uh, when they played Liverpool yeah, thanks the, for that. The, yeah. Other, yeah. the other year. But no, but seriously, they could. As much as that, I guess it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? You lose revenue because fans get disinterested, thinking they're going to come to watch not the star players but the reserves. But also, you've got to think if you're an ambitious lower league team that actually this might represent headlines progress buzz around the club maybe that maybe we should be thinking positively than that rather than the the damning of the the managers in the premier league okay so it's a good thing if you play your b team because it may help some of the lower league sides get through to the latter stage of the competition that certainly was the case for for bradford city a couple of years ago <laughs> only three times since 2004 mm. have anyone outside that established top order won this trophy uh, james they may well have to take it more seriously might they those big boys because after all, two of them aren't going to make it into the top four this season. And as Arsene Wenger found out last year, a trophy can save your job, right? Yeah, absolutely, Sam. I mean, there's six teams at the top of the Premier League and only four Champions League spots up there, aren't they? So Jose Mourinho um, got a get-out-of-jail free card, really, last season when he won the Europa League. And I think certainly bringing silverware in, as, as Wenger did last season, when you don't make the top four, can can really buy you possibly some extra time and new contracts and, and get fans off your back. So you, you suspect, particularly as the tournament goes on, the competition goes on, that some of the big teams who are still in it will take it more seriously. And although they may put out lesser teams, weakened teams in the earlier rounds, you find that they, they soon take it a bit more seriously when they think they can get to Wembley or uh, um, get some glory. Um, ben Woodburn, Danny Ward, 
Uh, Joe Gomez, he's now banned in the Champions League, so he might play this week um, mm. for your boys, Liverpool. Sturridge can get a few goals. Uh, it's great for those guys, isn't it? And, you know, I think, for me, no one went to the last round. No one went. It was uh, the, the, the attendances were really poor. Tumbleweed. Yeah. Um, tickets should basically be so cheap that you feel like you have to go. Manchester United are playing Burton this week. I think there's 20 quid for an adult, £8 for a kid. Chelsea have sold out Nottingham Forest at home with sensible pricing structures. Mm. I'd have gone to that United game if, um, you know, because it's only around the corner from me, yeah. if I hadn't been working on Wednesday night, if it was mm. Tuesday, I'm doing Arsenal against Doncaster on the same night. I also think, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel that it should be 90 minutes, that's it. Then we go to penalties. Absolutely, absolutely. It, who's, who does it... Who does it benefit to go on past that? It doesn't no benefit one. anyone. The fans in the ground, the fans watching at home. People trying to get home. The congested list. Yeah, as you say, the traffic, it makes it an absolute nightmare. When I'm mid-week. driving home from a game after doing the interviews. Well. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, after extra time and penalties, the Starbucks are all closed. <laughs> James, 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 James knows that. So he can get his, yeah, his... We're, we're all us reporters are familiar with the, the Starbucks, aren't they? And the, the, the double espressos to keep us up past our deadlines, definitely. But um, I don't, on that, um, I don't really get the, the Danny Ward situation, though, because he's going to start for Liverpool and it's not really an opportunity. What could he do in that game? Could save all the penalties. He could save all the penalties. Would that make any difference to whether he starts in the next game? I know they like him, so eventually he will end up starting at some point, but I just don't know when it'll be. James, do you agree with the 90-minute situation? Uh, I agree with your suggestion, Sam. You know, you know I, I don't think teams can be afford to be uh, playing extra time these days with all, all, all the other fixtures going on. But I think something else the EFL should look at is, is the prize money, actually. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I looked into it. And I think last season, the winners got a pretty paltry amount, something like £100,000. I mean, it seems, <laughs> inc- yeah. seems ridiculous <laughs> prize the money. Yeah. The, the FA Cup, I think, is more like £2 million. Um, I know the EFL are keen to spread the money around the lower leagues, but I think they need to look at the prize money. And uh, another thought I had was perhaps the winner of this competition gets uh, um, some sort of uh, sexy summer tournament access or, you know, entry into some sort of maybe Asia Cup or something like that. Oh, that's a good idea. Another financial incentive. Uh, for, for a team to take it more seriously. But uh, as for ticketing prices, 100% behind you. And anything that can get some perhaps new fans coming into the games um, is only a good thing for, for football, of course. Oh. And, oh, and finally, just what about getting the LMA to put a bit more pressure on, on Premier League bosses? to, 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 to um, put out uh, stronger teams in the competition, of course. I, I don't see why you can't put out can a stronger stressed. team in this, this competition unless you're playing in European competition. I don't think there's any reason why you can't put a, a decent team out. I mean, I, I was surprised. I went to Newcastle in the last round. Mm. There's a couple of good players that were getting their first chance of uh, uh, first team action after being out from injury. But you know what? Mm. Rafa Benitez basically used it 
as a shopping window uh, to get rid of some of the squad players. He played players um, that he wanted to leave the club and just gave them 90 minutes so that, that people could see that they were fit. Mm. I think I think you're both right. I think the, the, the EFL need to kind of tweak things to make, to incentivise, because at the moment, the incentive's not there. Yes, there's a trophy, but £100,000, you're going to be paying more for hotel expenses <laughs> and, and the drinks, the bar menu, aren't you? No, you get free drinks. You get free that, that Carabao stuff. You get loads of that. You get enough. That'll keep you going. And by sure the way, that... I, sh- I should... I should have said, you know, the fact is, is we don't need the Starbucks anymore because we just drink that Carabao stuff and then we'll be up all night. Yeah, I know uh, you don't do that. <laughs> James, just a quick question before we go. Do you know when the draw is? Because last time it was like 4am in the morning. The draw, Sam, is after the Manchester United game on Wednesday night. And so fans won't have to wait up until the middle of the night to see who they're playing. Although I'm not sure how many many managers did that last time. <laughs> yeah, it's great now, isn't it? You just check Twitter in the morning and find out who you've got. Oh, really? OK. Uh, well, at least the game's not being played in China. That's a big thing. Uh, James, Yet. thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cheers. A pleasure. Any time, guys. Action, reaction and the best columnist and analysis. This is Mirror Football. Some people have a, a longer view. Um, Cordoba of Cologne, for one, he's, he's, he's got a good long view. Direct, yeah. Very direct. Uh, but since I started recording the podcast uh, last week, mm. uh, we've lost Michael Brown, Gary Cordwell. We lost Harry Redknapp as well over the weekend. Mm. And of course, Frank De Boer after just 77 days. Why are these managers being fired so early? Uh, Big Tom uh, is alongside me. And after his holidays galore, he's probably bigger than Big Tom now. Uh, the food and travel expert Harsh. for the Sunday Mirror and the people. It is Tom Hopkinson. Hi, Tom. How are you? Morning, chaps. I wish my pay packet reflected all these extra jobs you've given me as well. <laughs> well, the very fact is, Tom, is if we did give you a bigger pay packet, you'd spend it on food, wine and trips, wouldn't you? So that's probably not a good idea for anyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'll, I'll love some of that. <laughs> yeah, true. How are you, mate? You OK? You were at Wembley I'm with me well, over yeah, the weekend. Good to see you both. Did you enjoy your, uh, your weekend? Uh, was it a footballing feast for you or... Or was it like, I mean, I thought some of the games were a bit dull this weekend. Yeah, I thought, I mean, I'm getting a little bit put off by this uh, constant use of the uh, term feast when you're talking to me. But I mean, <laughs> it was very lacking um, lacking in a football feast, actually. I was at uh, Bournemouth for the Brighton game on uh, Friday night, which was one of, uh, just a dreadful first half, but uh, a little bit better in the second half. And uh, Bournemouth did well to break them down. And then... I had 90, 94 minutes, I think it was, of uh, Spurs nil, Swansea nil, which uh, just complete the red brick wall was how I described it in my uh, in my copy. It was, I mean, it was an incredibly good defensive performance from uh, Swansea in the second half. But yeah, fe- feast it was not. Uh, Frank de Boer had four hundred and fifty minutes of competitive football in charge at Crystal all? Palace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Harry Redknapp had three games with his new team. He says and half of those were injured. Yeah. Uh, Michael Brown, Gary Caldwell, less than a year in the job. But, I mean, Ronald Koeman now coming under pressure. I saw in the paper this weekend that he's concerned about his position. In no right-minded business is this the way forward to keep chopping and changing people at the top. Whose fault is it? Is it the fact that we don't have very good coaches or is it the owners? What, 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 what's, what's the issue here? I think the problem is, is the finances. Um, I, I mean, they're, they're just so great these days that people have got absolutely no patience at all. I mean, you, you, you cast your mind back uh, a few years. You know, Frank, Frank de Boer would have been given three or four years to turn Crystal Palace around given uh, his coaching pedigree. Uh, you know, I say they, they wanted, they were looking for somebody to take them on to the next level from the style of football. Uh, that they were playing under Tony Pulis, under Sam Allardyce, uh, under that sort of manager. So, so why they brought De Boer in 
uh, in the first place. Uh, you know, it, it was absolutely a good decision for them. I, I mean, actually, looking back now, you'd, you'd probably think they'd have been better off bringing Roy Hodgson in straight away mm. and then Frank de Boer after Roy Hodgson. But it, it was it was purely a, a leap too far uh, in, in, you know, in, in one one move. But um, I, I, it, it just seems strange from the, uh, the, the top. You know, in, in no other business have I... Would you ever hear? I don't think of people being chopped and changed with such such speed and and you know such disregard, if you like. Uh, it's really strange that Steve Paris has come out as well over the last sort of twenty four hours, and he said, you know, I have no regrets about making this decision. That seems odd to me because it seems one very very costly, yeah, and two. It obviously was a decision that he made and didn't work. I'm a bit sort of dumbfounded by the idea that he doesn't regret it. Was it him though? Was it the owners? It seems to me that Palace, with no disrespect to Palace, they may have like overselled the club a bit. They might be in too much of a hurry because they're a London club. We should be somehow like upper, more advanced in the league and, and doing better, which is why they pulled the trigger more quickly for the managers. I don't, I'm not sure. Tom? Yeah, well, I think there were, there were problems from the offset really. I, I... I think uh, Steve Parrish realised that he'd made a mistake in hiring Frank de Boer, uh, perhaps even after one game, you know, perhaps even in pre-season, uh, one or two alarm bells were starting to ring. So in, in that respect, you have to say it was it was bad recruitment. Now, look, we don't know what uh, Frank de Boer, he probably sold the dream to Steve Parrish and uh, gave him, you know, all guns blazing when he went for, to the interviews, when he met him uh, and, and Parrish bought into that. But it quickly became apparent um, from talking to one or two of the players from being around the training ground that uh, the, the messages that Frank de Boer delivered simply weren't getting across to the uh, to the playing staff so you know in, in some ways I suppose it, you know you can admire uh, Steve Parrish for for um, making the decision so quickly and realizing that it wasn't going to work you know I, I'll give him his credit. He, he sees it more than we do on a day-to-day basis. He can probably see where things are going. But I, I just think it's such a shame that, you know, managers are signed now on two, three, four-year contracts and, and they aren't given any time to turn things around because, you know, so, somewhere along the process, whether it was Frank DeBoer's fault, whether it was Steve Parrish's fault, whether it was the American owner's fault, somebody has made a mistake. And I, I would say it was probably all three of them because Frank DeBoer would probably have looked at that squad as well. And he must have known that it was going to be very difficult to get his message across to them. Uh, a manager told me once, a, ch- a manager of the championship told me now that, uh, that, that championship clubs' owners will gamble on the dead cat bounce. They'll, they'll sack the manager, knowing that the likelihood is he's going to win for the first two or three games, get a good run, maybe extend that to 10 games. Then, quite happy for him to go along for a while before sacking him again and seeing if they can ride another dead cat bounce and, and, and almost sort of gamble on the idea that if you sack two or three managers, I know it happened with Watford a couple of seasons back, that you may end up getting enough points during those, those bounces to get yourself into the playoff positions and therefore in the Premiership because the money is so big in the Premier League that actually the idea of getting there is more important than than, than instability at your football club. I think we've got some animal rights activists tweeting us about the dead cat bounce because how many times does that cat need reviving? My God, I mean... Nine times, I think. Well, well, nine times. It might well be for Palace this year, might not it? You're getting to the point as well, aren't you, where the compensation that you're having to pay out to all these different managers is going to far outweigh the riches that are on offer in the Premier League in the end as well. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's a, it's a crazy situation. Um, and, and, and as Roy Hodgson proved, he came in for one game at the weekend and they lost. So, you know... If, what, what happens if Roy Hodgson doesn't win in these next three games? 
But it's a big problem if the cat's already dead, of course, <laughs> and, and can't be resuscitated. He's already had nine lives. <laughs> is uh, Ronald Koeman under pressure, do you think? Because um, obviously he has been talking about fearing the axe. They've mm. had some difficult fixtures at the start of the campaign, but uh, they haven't won too many of them, Tom. No, uh, he is under pressure. I, I don't think he's under the sort of pressure that's going to uh, cost him his job anytime soon. I think one or two uh, stories in papers this morning suggesting that that, that pressure is being cranked up. But uh, no, I, I think given the uh, amount of players they've brought in, there will be an understanding at the football club that uh, you know that, that it's going to take a little bit of time for those players to gel. But uh, they, they have to get uh, that sorted quickly. And I think Ronald Koeman already knows that, that the main problem he's got is that he, he didn't sign a, a centre-forward, uh, a man who's going to get the goals. Stan Collymore has, has uh, written a good column in the Daily Mirror this morning all about that and uh, you know, he's banged on. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious that, that one of the things that they are lacking is a striker and someone who has got the ruthlessness of Romelu Lukaku, but it's very difficult to sort of source that mm. uh, in the market, isn't it? I mean, everyone's looking for a 25-goal-a-season striker. Uh, you and I were at Wembley on uh, Saturday. Pochettino starting to lose his call a bit. I may have revved him up a little bit after the game, unintentionally. I really like him. I mean, he's the kind of guy that you can get on with and have a chat with. But I think the question needed asking about do they have an effective plan B... And he didn't like it. He was like, I have plan B, plan A, plan C. I changed positions. And they did change the positions around. Some played left wing back. Then they moved him up front alongside Harry Kane. My, my point was is that they, it, didn't, it didn't have an effect, did it? That was the issue. Yeah, I mean, it, it was fascinating when he, you obviously had revved him up and we didn't realise that because when he came into the press conference afterwards, it was the first time that I'd seen him react to a journalist um, uh, in, in an unfriendly way, I, I would say, really. He, he, somebody... Uh, made a statement rather than asking him a question, and he, he, you know, he was very quick to point out that the football experts were sat on the uh, the top table, and that we should be asking them questions rather than giving them um, uh, giving them our opinions. So, yeah, it was. He, he, I, look, I think I think Pochettino. I think there is a plan B. Um, I just don't think it worked. I think it was one of those games for them, and they do come around from time to time. We'll all have played in them, won't we, as well, Where uh, you know, at, at our own level, of course. But those games where you could play for three days and you still wouldn't score. That's you and your opinions again, isn't it? Revving people up. I, I do think it was a question that needed asking. No, I know a lot of Spurs fans aren't happy with that plan B of Son going to left-back because that's when they've often got found out. It's but... also, for me, it's the Lorente thing. It's like, you know, stick on Lorente and then you don't stick a ball up to him. It doesn't make any sense no. to me. But anyway, there's, an... um, there's more important things to worry about. Deli Ali, um, what, uh, the switching agents, there's been a lot made of that. He's not really made the massive impact in the first few games that he did, certainly at the back end of last season. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, the, the whole... Uh, agency situation is going to be uh, affecting Dele Alli, I would think. He'd been with Rob Seagal since he was a young boy, so um, you know uh, he, he'd be moving a little bit out of his comfort zone in, in terms of that. Um, of course, every agent on the planet will be trying to get hold of him. I mean, there, there's clearly a, a very lucrative, big-money move uh, in the offing for him, whether it's uh, next season, the season after. You know, I, I know for a fact that he, he wants to test himself abroad, whether that's with Real Madrid, Barcelona, those sort of teams, you know, if he continues on the trajectory he's been on, then I think there will be the option for him to go there at some point in his career. Um, Agency-wise, who will he go with? You know, all the big boys are sniffing. We've heard Mino Raiola is looking at him. George Mendes is looking at him. If you were a football agent, you would be trying everything you could to get your hands on Deli Alley. And funnily enough, I, I don't know whether he actually needs an agent there as well, because he's that good. I, I think he, he's one of those players who, you know, clubs would just be there and say, bang, there's the money you want, come and join us. After seeing the uh, deal that Mino Riola did for uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, I'd probably want him as my agent, I think. 
Yeah, right. I'm surprised he's not your agent already. Yeah, is he not? Oh, <laughs> very, very, anyway. Is he not? Uh, no, he's not. Oh, okay. Um, right, gentlemen, thank you very much. Cheers. Uh, appreciate that, Tom. See you soon, yeah? Pleasure. Good to see you both. Cheers. The Mirror Football Podcast. Uh, the average this week in the fantasy football was 58 points. I racked up 71, so I was pretty happy, actually, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I would have had more Ed Lukaku taking that penalty at the end of the Manchester United match and not Martial. <laughs> I was well annoyed about that. Yeah, I saw that on the group chat. But... Um, I also lucked out with Walker and Defoe, um, but I'm still lower than you in the table. Yeah, and that's saying something really, because I've slumped to 91st. I'm 122nd. Terrible week. And really, awful refereeing decisions. I said to you, didn't I? I, I text you that it seemed that there was a missed penalty opportunity in every game. Like A penalty was either not given or missed completely. It was, uh, it was shocking anyway. That's one of the things it done for me. That and my reliance on Liverpool players. But anyway, we have a new leader, Stephen Hall, who notched up a very impressive 101 points this game week. Um, I'm going to make some big changes this weekend, I reckon. Uh, I've got three Everton players and they've exclusively stayed on the bench for a while. Yes, I can imagine they have. I don't think they're dislodging anyone in my team, so I might have to switch some of them out. Although they might fancy their chances against Bournemouth at home. I'm not so sure. Mm. I might press the free hit button this week. Free hit. Yeah. That's bold. Um, City got Palace this week, so you remove all Palace defenders. Correct. And you add loads of City attackers. Watford are going to Swansea. Now, Swansea are better set up to play away from home than they are at home. Yeah. So I'd be looking at some Watford attackers. Richarlison's actually done quite well for me so far. Yeah. Decore is another one who could get you some points. Chalabar. Um, and and I, I think they've got a chance against Swansea, actually, because Swansea, despite being very good on the road, counter-attacking at home is not going to work for them yeah no I, I, I completely agree although Watford do need to recover from the hiding they took this weekend I think they will I yeah. think they will they're, listen they're, they're not going to be measured against games against uh, Manchester City no. uh, remember the winner picks up the stay on your feet league trophy at the end of the season and you can check up our, all the updates on our Twitter page at stay on your feet on the go on your phone on the website the Mirror Football Podcast. That's it from us. If you've got any questions, you can hit us up on Twitter. It's at Stay On Your Feet. We'd love to hear from you. Um, what have you been doing this week? You've been messing around with the Star Wars 11 on the Twitter page, haven't it's you? It's just filling, it's filling my time because I, I can't wait for this second trailer. I thought there was a little teaser on Instagram thought the second trailer was going to drop. So it's just biding my time until that happens. I thought I did very well, by the way. Coming up with uh, footballers who could be Star Wars characters. Han Sega Solo. Han Sega Solo. That was my favourite. Uh, I thought it might have been. Well, a Carlos Chewbacca. I thought that was good. That was. You'd yeah. have him up front. Yeah. And um, where is he? Is it still at Milan? He was at Milan. I don't know where he is now. He's been. He's transferred so much since moving from Sevilla, where he was obviously very, very yeah, good. He was very good then. Um, and uh, what was the other one that came up? Matty Vader. Like Matty uh, Vidra. Matty Vader. That's a bit, bit of a I, quite, I quite like that. Bit of a stretch. No. Uh, what are you uh, doing this week? What are you looking forward to? Um, just, well, the League Cup, clearly. because. Are you going to, going to go to the League Cup? Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to go to the League Cup. Liverpool are away at Leicester. And I'm going to enjoy watching it because I want to see Danny Ward. Because so much has been said about the, the guy. I, I want to see him. And the Liverpool goalkeeping situation, as much as Mignolet's not done a lot wrong, isn't really... Complete yet, let's say. I'm going to go to Arsenal Doncaster on uh, Wednesday night for the uh, the World Feed television. And I, I must admit, I have no hope that Doncaster are going to come away from, from that game with anything. Mm. Uh, but I'll be interested to see what sort of side that Arsenal Wenger picks. Uh, because I think, you know, this again, a bit like the Europa League, is an opportunity for him to win a trophy mm. when 
he's not going to win the league. I mean, he may win the FA Cup. He's not going to win the league, is he? Uh, not with that mob. Um, they should be letting people in for free for that game. No, they did that last week for the Champions League, no, the Europa they, they, League. They didn't game. let people in for three. They just broke in for okay, free. Okay, fair enough. Um, it's a lighter week for me this week because that's my only game in midweek. And I've got um, Villa Forest on Saturday in the Championship at 5.30, which is going to be a cracker. Wow. Because no. Villa actually got a little bit better this weekend and won a game. Yeah, and the, the social media is more positive in terms of Aston Villa at the moment as well, oh, getting behind God. Steve Bruce. And... Yeah, yeah. Dr. Tony and I haven't had a row this week anyway. Oh, no. No. I'm actually, that, that could be my aim this weekend, <laughs> change, to reignite my acquaintance with Dr. Dr. Tone. Dr. Evil. No, not Dr. Evil. Dr. Not Tone. Don't be, don't, don't dress him up. Uh, listen, he's, he's just a little bit um, too vocal mm. on Twitter. And the, and, the, and the Aston Villa fans really love him because he's vocal on Fair Twitter. Enough. But I actually think it's not a great thing. No. Well, especially when you're provocative and making statements that you can't climb down from sometimes. Yeah. Oh, oh, remember he had a go at me, don't you? I do remember. You know that, why yeah. he had a go at me? No, I, don't, I can't remember. Why did he? Because um, they're, they're not interested in Robert Snodgrass. They were not interested in Robert Snodgrass. How dare you? Yeah, but do, do you know where Robert Snodgrass plays now? I know where he plays. Where does he now. play now? I believe he plays for Aston Villa. Uh, next week on the uh, podcast, we will be back reflecting on all the weekend's action and we'll also uh, be looking to head uh, to another massive week in the Champions League. Thanks very much. Uh, keep in touch on Twitter and on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Tweet us your questions before every pod. At Stay On Your Feet. The Mirror Football Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes via the podcast app and get a fresh Mirror Football Podcast as soon as it lands. Hi, it's Finn Dwyer from the Irish History Podcast and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please follow the government's advice right now which is currently to stay at home where possible. While you're staying at home, I would recommend another great show that's worth checking out. It's Unexplained by Richard McLean Smith. It's a beautifully produced and gripping show that looks at unusual and sometimes unnerving occurrences from the past and present. It's perfect escapism. Check out Unexplained on the Acast app or wherever you get podcasts.